I kind of had a choice at that point, not just being patient with the process, but being grateful with the process. And I'm like, mm, man, I went to my dad straight after the game. I'm like, yo, like this shit can't happen anymore, man. I always find the, always try to take the good out of any negative situation. You know, I have players coming in, Xavier, and they'd be like, um, you know, I played so bad. You know, sometimes I'd, I'd be like, hey, bro, hey, I don't know, we, we can't do nothing about that. I can tell you what we can do, we can get some work in right now. Like, if you're not doing plyometrics, you're losing out on a lot of potential for performance. Um, my dad had these tapes of the Laker games. Got to a point where I, I said, you know, I want to play basketball. And I just always wanted to make sure I had the edge over people. It became a part of me, you know, I, I didn't want anybody to get to be better than me. Welcome to another episode of the Basketball and Barbells podcast. So after months of, of planning and, and trying to get this thing set up, I finally got uh, a really good friend and also even a uh, greater coach. Uh, today we have Emily Blurton, who is a sports performance coach with the Seattle Storm, ex-sports performance coach, um, and has been in that role since 2016 and was also part of the 2018 championship season. Uh, Emily has also worked as a corrective exercise specialist, a kettlebell and kettlebell instructor at Elite Sports and Spine, and specializes in using a combination of kettlebells, body weight, and TRXs as a means to create the appropriate loading and sensory input necessary to elicit physical and neurolo neurological changes for improved health and performance. So basically, that was a bunch of scientific words <laughs> to basically say Emily's the GOAT. Uh, so like I said, we've been planning this for a while now, so I'm happy that finally we were able to get this thing set up. Thank you, Emily, for, for hopping on. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I've always enjoyed our conversation, so I look forward <laughs> to it. All right. And um, one thing I kind of want to touch on is <laughs> Emily literally just got back from, from Spain, and um, she's, uh, she's, she's fighting through a cold right now. So props <laughs> to you for, for, being a, for being a warrior, for, for fighting through it and, uh, and recording with us. Uh, but to kind of put the ball on your court, uh, kind of talk a little bit about, you know, your childhood kind of growing up. Uh, how did you kind of, how did you get into exercise? Uh, just because I want people to kind of understand a little bit more mm -hmm. about who Emily is. So uh, what was it, what was it like coming up and, and how did you kind of move your way into being a performance coach? Uh, to be honest, like my earliest memories, I've always been crazy active and in whatever means that I can. Like I used to probably get into a little bit of trouble just because I was always climbing on things and, and throwing things around and stuff. So um, luckily, my dad was always pretty athletic and same with my mom. So from an early age, like, we'd be throwing a ball in the backyard or shooting hoops too. Like my dad had played basketball in college and um, had been pretty big into baseball as well. And so those were kind of the two sports I gravitated towards early just because he played them. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, the first the first toy I ever got to pick for myself was actually a Nerf basketball hoop when I was little. So it kind of tells <laughs> you a little bit where my mind kind of fell straight away. And, um, you know, it was just it's one of those things where I just love the way it feels being active and to play a sport. And the challenge of it, both mentally and physically, has always been, I guess, what has really enthralled me. Like in many ways, kind of it was such a part of my personality that I couldn't mm -hmm. really avoid it it just happened naturally and I was fortunate enough my parents were along for the ride so that worked out they were never very pushy about it or anything like that in fact they were the opposite but it was just uh yeah something I've always enjoyed it's funny because like in school I'd be really serious and really quiet and focused and stuff and 
my teachers would even make the comment, oh, does Emily, you know, like, relax and have fun? And my mom's just like, have you seen her at recess when she's out there <laughs> playing, you know? Or, like, I'd have an orchestra recital, and then as soon as I'm out, like, I'm out in the back with all the guys playing basketball in my tights and skirts. So, like, that was always kind of me <laughs> from, like, day one. So, yeah, and then I um, I played fast-pitch softball as my main sport in high school. I did a little bit of basketball, but kind of had to pick and choose by the time I got to my sophomore year just because of the time commitments. And mm-hmm. um, so I ended up playing on this, like, awesome fast-pitch team where we got to travel probably three weeks at a time in the summers. Um, and I grew up in Alaska, so our traveling was always, like, a big commitment just because if you went, you went for a long period of time to be able to play against other teams and stuff and in tournaments. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that was kind of the two main sports I played young, but then like, you know, I'd be out throwing the football with the guys or um, goofing off on the, you know, on the ice playing hockey or something like that pick up. But um, yeah, just kind of anything I could get my hands into in college, I would play some rec leagues of whatever I could, you know, get my hands on more or less. So yeah, it's just that the activity has always been there. And then as far as actually getting into the strength and conditioning itself, it actually kind of just happened uh, incidentally in college. My senior year, I was taking a weight training class just to feel athletic and like focused on something where I'm getting, you know, kind of having someone push me a little bit. And uh, yeah, so the instructor, uh, Michael, was just like, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, getting into coaching or training? And uh, was like, if you're interested, I could use the extra help you know, for the summer, for a summer job. And honestly, like I cracked the book for the PT course or personal training course. And it was just like, this is what I've been missing. This is like, I couldn't get enough of it kind of. <laughs> and so it just that it one thing led to the other. And yeah, I ended up in Seattle and kind of in a, what ended up being a dream job for me. So yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, um, like you said, when you opened that book, it was like, it was almost like, you see those cartoons where they open the book and it's like the light shines out. Like that's yeah. how it was for you when you opened it up. Like it's, exactly. it's, it's pretty much, it, I think it's like when you find that thing, which, you know, a lot of people are still, still looking for it, which is okay. But like they find mm-hmm. that thing that just like, for whatever reason, it's just, it, everything's just different when they do that thing. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's what it was, you know, for the both right. of us, for you, uh, it was just like physical activity at first. And then you, you open that PT book and you're like, this is it. And mm-hmm. then, <laughs> And then for me, it was like, you know, I was kind of training myself. And then um, I had a player walk up to me and was just like, hey, like, can I work out with you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then like one day I just literally just trained him. And like, it was like, that was it. Like, that's when the right. lights like, I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is, I'd rather do this than <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. I was doing before. So it's, it's like, like your like, whole energy changes when you're working with them and you just can feel it, you know, it's, yeah. 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 It's mm-hmm. just like. It, I don't even know. It's like that moment, I guess. I don't even know what I would call it, but it's just like that moment where just everything just kind of clicks. And um, mm-hmm. no, nah, that's just funny. Like you hear and you talk about it, it just reminded me of like when I had that moment. I'm like, <laughs> like sh- shit, I'd rather do this. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Because it's like you suddenly just realize because, you know, in school, I always enjoyed my studies and stuff and did well in them. But I'd always be in that class and I'd, I'd think, oh, that person's like really passionate about it. And that's really what I wanted to find for myself. And it's just. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you never know when that opportunity or that that stimulus is going to arise. And it's just like, you know, it's one of those things where your recreational time reading now is you can't you know, you're reading research articles on some specific aspect of training or, you know, mindset around coaching and different things like that. And it's just because you enjoy it so much, you 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 want to read more like that's what you're excited to read. 
So, yeah. right, right. It's like it, it takes up your time. You start reading one article and we talked about this yeah. on the rabbit hole. Oh, like... totally. You're just like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, what is this new thing that's so interesting? And and yeah, it's it's crazy. And I will say I remember like as a new coach, too, especially like early days, there's just so much out there that you're also trying to figure out like what's good information and what's like questionable to you. And you're trying mm-hmm. to figure out what adds up. And the cool thing is like, I mean, as I got more experienced and especially like, I mean, the big thing that has always guided it is doing the work in the weight room myself, like, like mm-hmm. trying things. And like, I've always viewed the weight room kind of as my little laboratory. And like here I have my home studio. So I just will, you know, work out there and try out new, new concepts or training styles or, you know, lifts, different things like that. And really pay attention to the feedback, like how I feel with it. And then like observing a lot and like, does it add up with what this line of thought is or you know you're kind of you start seeing these logical like overlaps between different Mm -hmm. things that you're doing like um like I like you you mentioned I started with kettlebell training right and Mm -hmm. um I was really fortunate to have some great great mentoring in that early days and um it's funny because a lot of what they would speak about about postural things and and like different hip mechanics and stuff like that it you'd see that overlap in various different formats like you'd even see some of that in like trx training or body weight or some of the yoga courses that i'd taken in college like i happen to have had a really great one and she would speak a lot about a lot of the same concepts right and so mm-hmm. you start seeing these these overlaying concepts and like it really helps inform you to to kind of steer your education from there too and yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting how it can develop for sure yeah, and for me, it was more like, I think uh, for my mentor, uh, Mike Butler, he was actually a physical mm-hmm. therapist who went into strength conditioning. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I, I talked to you about that, but um, he would just talk about, like, you know, corrective exercise and things like mm-hmm. that. And I had no idea at the time. I'm just like, because I'm still fresh, so I'm just like right, right. Uh, trying to figure out, like, how to squat and stuff like that. And, and then he's just talking about, hey, like, you know, look into FMS. So mm-hmm. I end up, uh, my FMS was actually my second certification. And then after mm-hmm. that, I got my corrective. And it's just like, it's funny because like looking back, I'm like reading it and I'm like, hey, this is, this is very similar to like FMS, like in terms of like mm-hmm. some of the assessments and stuff like that, like overhead squat, single leg squat, uh, mm-hmm. things like that. Like FMS is like more so the hurdle step, but uh, mm-hmm. it's just like, I kind of look back at it and it's like the way they, they articulate it, it's going to be different. But like mm-hmm. the underlying concept of making sure, like you know, even Mike Boyle's, you know, joint by joint approach. Right. Um, exactly. Or yeah, exactly. As far as like just like optimal movement, you know, it's just like all mm-hmm. of it tied together. And it's just it's just funny, like looking back, because I'm like reading it, I'm like, hold up, like what's going on here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's what's so cool is like for me, I remember too, um, like originally starting on more of the strength, you know, tr- the personal training and all of that side and then Mm. having the opportunity to go and work at elite sport and spine which was the was one of the clinics that I worked at early days like they um they actually did the whole kind of integration so it was a chiropractic clinic but then they did uh the rehab in conjunction with it and they offered kettlebell classes and originally I came on as actually a kettlebell instructor and then Mm. I was constantly shadowing um their rehab guy that was um pretty pretty awesome he was actually one of the kairos but he was doing the rehab at the time so um you know I after shadowing him for a while they were like well you know you seem really interested in this do you want to have more time like 
working into that direction. And I'd gotten my corrective exercise and I'd done FMS at that point and a number of other um, kind of along that side of assessment and correctives. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I ended up that that was kind of it was interesting because once I got into more of that corrective exercise and the rehabilitation side, it actually made me a better coach on the strength side because like the eye for what you're paying attention to kind of shifts and you start seeing Mm -hmm. where like it's really sometimes subtle nuances that can not only make your lift safer, but also Mm -hmm. like so much more efficient and powerful. And I feel like that's where the like sweet spot is. That's kind of the really cool thing. So as you keep developing your eye and like that understanding of how these things work together, it's like, that's where the magic happens almost, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was really helpful having that combination of, of really getting into the rehab as well as the strength, like, and a lot of the coaches that I respect and look up to a lot as far as their work that they put out there, they kind of come from that hybrid background as well. So, yeah. Right. I think, yeah, it's just like you said, it's, it's important because even like the things you're talking about, the nuances, like, you know, even going through my internship of like, you know, USF and then like playing high school and things like that. Um, it was more so like, obviously like there are going to be things that we're, we're looking for as coaches that we don't mm-hmm. want from our athletes. Um, but then even like once you go the the corrective, the rehab uh, side of it, like they even said the subtle nuances that are maybe compensation patterns, maybe like mm-hmm. little things that, you know, obviously like everything is connected in the, the kinetic chain. So mm-hmm. one thing is going to affect the entire, the entire process. So just like understanding that, like, you know, I didn't get that honestly from strength conditioning. You know, mm-hmm. It's just kind of more so like, all right, here's how you program sets of reps. Uh, right. Know, strength exactly. Is, strength is king. Force is king. Like we talk about that all the time. Uh, uh-huh. but it was just weird, like, because of my, my beginnings, like, I was just like, well, you know, well, what if the athlete doesn't move properly? Like, we're just adding load on top right. of the function. Like, they're just going to get hurt long term. And exactly. so it, it, it just never gelled with me until I really started getting more into, like, the the FMS and CES and stuff like that. I realized that, okay, like, even though it's quote unquote different, to me, like, mm-hmm. it's all one and the same. Like, all of this is just, right. like different philosophies of the same principle Mm -hmm. and it's just that continuum right of where they are on each scale and your your job as a coach is really to figure out where does your athlete lay in that like some of my athletes they may be at a training age and and a body awareness and like movement quality that sure we can do olympic lifting safely and we can load heavy if we want to if we're doing you know just say we're doing our deadlifts or something like that during the off season Mm -hmm. like they're safe to do something like that but then there's other players like we straight up work on diaphragmatic breathing because we're trying to make sure they understand how to use that to stabilize their spine and to create stability from their core, you know? So it it really depends on where the player is. And and in many ways, like I kind of liken it to uh, like martial arts, right? You, you have each level, but you have to build from level one up, you know, you don't just go Mm -hmm. straight from white belt to black belt. Right. And so in a lot of ways, that's kind of how I, view working with our athletes is like okay well what level are they at can they show me that they can own the previous levels and if so then yeah we go for the next thing because you're always looking you like you never want to stagnate you know and like you're trying right. to really find that next thing that we can push them on and not only from a perspective of like not saying everything's novelty right but it's more mm-hmm. like we're trying to find okay where can we get that next big like low-hanging fruit gain more or less Mm -hmm. you know like you're trying to figure out where are those gaps where can we really make you solid and efficient and once we have that how can we make you even a better performer you know and also that looks different for each 
like different body type that we've got too. Cause you know, you take an athlete that's really a bouncy, wiry, kind of more spring style athlete, and you mm. try to start building a lot of muscle mass on it, it's going to detect, you know, in some ways, you're going to take away from what their natural attributes are. And you mm-hmm. can get in the way of their athleticism, right? So it's, it's finding the one that really suits them and then like, digging deep in that, but also making sure everything as a base is nice and solid first. But like, you know, does that make sense? As far as no, no. Uh, no, 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 all that makes sense. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's funny because you're not even the first person to say what you just said in terms of like the type of athlete, you know, like you said, like mm-hmm. wiry, springy athlete. Um, Kevin Durant just comes to mind who's you yeah, know, still yeah. a solid athlete, but he's, you know, he's, he's seven feet tall and maybe weighs like 180, right? Like right. he's not super, you know, super like muscular or anything like that, but, you know, he can hold his own, he can hold his position, he can get to where mm-hmm. he needs to get to for his game. So it's like, it also depends on your playing style. Like, if it'd be different mm-hmm. if Kevin Durant was like a back to the basket, like Andre Drummond type player. But yeah, you know, he's, then you he's, would he's build him up a lot differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's, he's pulling up from forty. So like, there's okay. Does he necessarily need this muscle mass? Like, he needs mm-hmm. to be able to to own his positions when he's driving in the lane to make sure he can mm-hmm. take the contact and still exactly. finish. And it's just like, like you said, it's it's funny that you said that because it just popped in my mind. Like I've heard that before, but it's just like it's refreshing to hear that that, that someone feels that same exact way because it's like. It depends. Like that's the biggest. That's the biggest statement. You know, anytime someone mm-hmm. asks me something, I'm like, well, it depends. It depends exactly. on the context. Yeah. Depends on who you are. It's playing style. All that. My uh, my assistant coach and I would laugh all the time about that because he'd be like, "Em, well, what about this?" And I'd be like, "Well, it depends." And like that was like the thing. Every <laughs> time it comes right back to that, it really is like, who do you have in front of you? What are their needs? Like, from a standpoint of what do they need to be physically strong and healthy and safe? And then on top of that, what is their role? Like, what is their, like, what is, I mean, you've got safety, right? You've got Mm -hmm. their genetic makeup, and then you've got what's their, their purpose on the court. Right. You know, and you've got to factor all those pieces in. Cause like, if you take an athlete where they're, they're quick, they're fast twitch, they're, they're Mm -hmm. explosive and springy, and then you add a ton of muscle and, and, and you do it in a slow strength way, right? That may mm-hmm. be a really negative thing for them because they may lose some of that fast twitch and start shifting over, right? So you're, mm-hmm. it's all about figuring out what do they need. Whereas if I have a post that's maybe a little bit underweight of where they need to be to be strong and hold their position, that might be someone that we do want to put some muscle mass onto and, mm-hmm. and make more sturdy. Or maybe that is their role is to be a strong, like powerful player that knocks other people around. That's where we, you know, you really start to look at they're going to have a very different training program than the person that's, you know, in that other role, you know? Right. Right. So. And it, it, and it's funny. Cause like, even like the example that just pops in mind, uh, we're still talking about just talking about like, um, you know, it just depends on, on the athlete. So I have, mm-hmm. um, this one exercise It's not anything crazy. It's just like a band banded hip thrust. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the athlete going through it and, you know, she said to me, Hey, like I'm feeling this in my quads. So mm-hmm. I'm just kind of looking at her and I'm going crap, going through the movement. So I, I told her, hey, like there's like a there's a bench nearby. So I said, hey, I want you to go on this um a single leg hip uh bench thrust. And mm-hmm. she's like, okay, cool. So she goes in and does it. And I'm like, where do you feel it? She's like, oh, I feel it in my glutes. And it's like, even <laughs> though you know, like it's like okay, like you know, I still wanted to isolate the glutes in this banded uh needling hip thrust. Like mm-hmm. I take her out and do you know a uh, bench single leg hip thrust, and all of a sudden she's she's feeling it now. All right, she's right. just isolating that glute more, and it's just like. It just, like you said, it just, it depends on the athlete. Like for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't working there. I had 
um, something else in my bag that I just pulled out, which was, wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything super novel. So right, like, all right, well, let's right. try this out. And all of a sudden, like her, her glutes are lighting up. So I'm like, all right, cool. Exactly. Now we're getting what we need to get out of it. And that's what you really like as a coach. Your first priority is trying to figure out how does their body work? Because it's going to be different from person to person, like whether it's limb length differences, like the attachment mm-hmm. sites of all of your different muscles, like because of it, players are going to feel things in different ways. And so you have you have to be responsive to them, not just be like, oh, well, this should work and then just be stumped, you know, like, or like keep hammering it because maybe we just need to add, you know, more load or something like that. It's like, okay, well, let's try a few different things. And I think, you know, I um, had recently seen, uh, I want to say Brett Contreras. He was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the glute guy, right? right? And he had been at my friend Luca's place for um, the Vigor Ground Fitness Summit this last year. And he, you know, had given us an introduction where he's just talking about how he actually took us through a whole big variety of different thruster movements, basically, you know, mm-hmm. like glute bridge movements. And the purpose being, he was trying to make the point of like, it would be different variations, like foot placement or different things like along that side. And mm-hmm. he'd have us all raise our hand. Oh, which one did like, did you feel that? And like everybody raised their hands in different places. So that just, it, he, was, <laughs> he was making the point of, we all have such different, like, yes, we have generally the same anatomy as one another, but there's enough nuance to each that we are going to fill them in different ways. And it's about finding that per- that way for your person in front of you so that they can actually get what they need, you know? Yeah, no, that was, that was, that was fire right there. So look, we can talk about that all day. But, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of want to, <laughs> I want to get yeah, totally. to like, yeah, yeah, you and the, and the WNBA. So um, gotcha, gotcha. Like, uh, obviously, like, you know, obviously, like, you're uh, with the Seattle Storm and things like that, mm-hmm. but um, obviously, like, uh, even just my experience of just, like, being around, like, the W, uh, not the WA, but like, the, the NBA G League, like, their mm-hmm. resources are slim and, and things aren't always, you know, what they make uh, shape out to be, and I know the WNBA definitely isn't any easier, so um, uh, if you could, in your own experience, like, how have you been able to kind of, you know, still get the job done, still uh get all your athletes, you know, more athletic and make sure that they're healthy long-term. Uh, but how have you had to be kind of creative in, in doing that with all the the resources that you may or may not have? You know, I mean, honestly, even without a ton of resources, you can still accomplish a lot. Like, mm. and that has always kind of been my big philosophy is what do you have in front of you to work with and what do we need to accomplish? And then it, you kind of MacGyver it, you know, you just, uh, <laughs> You, you you can't get in the mindset of scarcity as far as like, oh, well, I don't have this, so I can't accomplish this. There's, a, If mm-hmm. you're resourceful and you really think about things, there's a lot of ways that you can accomplish what you need to accomplish. Like, sure, we may not be able to do some of the, the monitoring, for instance, like the GPS tracking or something like that that you see in the NBA a lot. But we can be paying attention to how we're loading our players, how much volume that they are getting on court as far as high intensity reps and things like that. and we can have conversations with our players and ask them how they're feeling. Like when they walk in every day, you're checking in with them, not just once in a while, but you're, you're keeping up a constant dialogue and you're observing them. So like if I see a player that's, you know, they look like their legs feel like they're lead, you can usually kind of note that. And then, you know, we'll have a conversation and you find out, Oh yeah, I like my, you know, with the volume last couple of days and I've been putting in extra reps here then it, it makes sense and you can change your volume and change the plan accordingly. And then 
maybe your emphasis is on recovery and trying to facilitate that. And, um, you know, it, it really, it, you just have to be attentive, I think is a bigger thing when you don't have as many resources, like you have to be really scrutinizing everything that's going on as best as you can and kind of keep track of that. Um, and then as far as like the tools themselves, it's like, you really figure out what is the most efficient as far as like, what can you get a lot out of a lot of bang for your buck versus, mm. you know, like some of the more nuanced things that you might wish you had but it's like okay well you know if I had that I'd maybe be able to affect x y and z whereas if I have this other option then you know I can hit a bunch of different things and maybe not as perfectly or like I may have to jerry rig a couple things to make it a little more effective like that's that's kind of you know like what we'll do but I really a big part of it is just you know we're just making sure that we get good work done you know like you're consistently trying to just build that basis and and a lot of it is habits too like just even trying to make sure that we're teaching our players like you know to understand their bodies to understand what they need to do for recovery to be respectful of their own thresholds so it's like yeah oh I've had this nagging pain for like you know a couple months but I've just been used to it like (laughs) when they when you hear something like that you're just like okay like it's coming from, you know, for a reason, let's figure out what it is because we don't want to become something worse. You know, like you start teaching them to like how to think about their bodies and that, that in some ways is even more valuable than the nicest weight room that you can have, you know? Right. And it's funny that you said that because I'll hear that from players all the time. They'll just say like, yeah, uh, I don't know. Something's been bugging my knee, but you know, I just played through it. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I've heard the phrase that basketball players are like, the what some of the best uh compensators in the world because like oh, yeah. they'll feel a they'll feel a pain and they'll just figure out like the body obviously fights mm-hmm. finds the uh path of least resistance. So if something's hurting them, like they're gonna find some type of compensation <laughs> pattern and exactly. then eventually like it's gonna become a, a problem long term. Whereas mm-hmm. like, you know, you have that conversation which we talked about earlier, like you get that information, you're like, oh ho- time out, like what's going on? And mm-hmm. then now you can make that intervention. But yeah, it's just <laughs> it's funny that you say that it's just like that happens all the time with the basketball oh, players. Totally. Like you said, it, you, you have to find, you have to figure out uh, the best way to keep them healthy long-term and, you know, like, you know, just make sure, like, you're getting quality work in every day. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, too, like, I don't even remember who it was that originally said this. It was probably something I'd read or heard way back. But, like, the better the athlete, the better the cheater, you know, in the sense that your <laughs> body is so, like, your your the motor processes and everything are just mm-hmm. so adaptable and so quick to adapt. So it's mm-hmm. like you can you can fake it a lot easier. And you're and like it's not a cognizant choice. It's that mm-hmm. your body is figuring out exactly what it needs to do to accomplish the task. You know, and right. so that's where it's like, in some ways, the better the athlete you are, the harder you have to really know your body in order to keep it in a good place. You know, right. And and one thing I actually it kind of brings up a, a good question is. Like, I think even with the, like you said, the better the athlete, the the more they have to learn about their body, because I think what it is that they're so gifted, like you said, mm-hmm. like we've been talking about this, like they can easily just like subconsciously, like their body's just like figuring out, okay, cool. Like I can still be explosive if I do this or if I do that, mm-hmm. or if like, you know, I just become more quad dominant, like that's going to help me out because of my lack right. of ankle mobility. And it's like, you know, and then like, you have that whole chain reaction, right? Right. And so mm-hmm. like, is there, is there a, like. Have you noticed, like, maybe, like, the athletes who maybe not necessarily aren't as 
uh, gifted, maybe explosive and things like that. Um, have you noticed like they're more consciously aware of what's going on in their body versus the athlete who's just like naturally like springy and maybe they don't even notice these things? You know, I don't know that I would necessarily say that for certain. I mean, I think I'd have to have a wider probably sample size and stuff, but mm-hmm. a big part of it is just like, I mean, uh, it, it depends on the personality too of the players. Like some of them mm-hmm. are very like, um deliberate and organized about how they do it like it's very thought out and very methodical and kind of like they they take a lot of ownership in that way they're almost like scholarly about how they train and teach like Mm -hmm. work through their bodies and they ask a lot of those questions and stuff and then you sometimes have the other end of the spectrum where it's like they're just they're just coast like they're used to just cruising through and like Mm-hmm. doing all that and you're trying to like basically bring their attention back to where it needs to be basically as far as like all right like yes you accomplished that but what did we compensate yeah. for you to accomplish it with you know and like you are kind of reining them back a little bit but I think honestly a large part of that has more to do with maybe some of the coaching that they've had in the past mm-hmm. or if they've had injuries like once they've had injuries a lot of the time it's like their mindfulness to what they're doing in the weight room is significantly higher because now they've realized, oh yeah, like through the PT process, a lot of the time it brings awareness to the quality of the movement and Mm. where you're actually attending to your focus, you know? And so I think for a lot of them, that's really the bigger factor as far as how well in tune to their bodies are, uh, they are. And so like, sometimes you'll see these really super athletic um, like younger players come in, they've never had an injury. So that it's like, they're like, okay, I know I have to do this. I know it's good for me, but they may not be completely bought into the why and like understanding mm. how really big the impact can be for them and like how it really impacts their longevity. But as soon as they get injured, it's like, oh, wow, now I have to really work to make my body do this. And so it like, treats, <laughs> it changes their perspective. Like there's a new respect for the processes that go into a really, high functioning body and performance you know and so and for some of them that may be the first time that they've ever struggled for anything like some of them they're just such high level like natural athletes so gifted that you know all the performance related stuff on court and even to some extent in the weight room it's like oh yeah I can do that and it's like they don't have to think there's nothing like it's like breathing to them right Mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden you throw an injury in And their body doesn't respond the way that they're used to it responding. And it's like this whole shift because it's like, oh, like it's it can be very intimidating. And a lot of the times very difficult to deal with mentally. But they also like learn, oh, geez, so this is what it takes to be like. Now I've got to be really consistent about what I'm doing and I need to be really attentive to it for the first time. Maybe, you know, like they it it changes kind of the way they operate. Right. No, it's. That, that totally makes sense and it's like like you said like you bring in that injury you bring in uh something that's going to basically like take away something that they're naturally used to and like mm-hmm. those habits have to change and like with any habit like it, it starts off at the conscious level first before before it becomes subconscious right and even like mm-hmm. movement patterns which are, in my opinion just habits like things that your body you know has naturally adapted to like because of whatever reasons like the athletes put them through put themselves through mm-hmm. um it's just like it's just funny because like now that you say that it's like it all that makes sense like context like you said like is very important so like maybe the coaching or maybe like an injury mm-hmm. and and maybe like in the unique case of LeBron James who's mm-hmm. probably never had like you know he's had like nicks and bruises but like who's never right. really been seriously injured outside of that back injury last season 
like mm-hmm. who just consciously started making the decision to like start taking care of his body uh, right. in such a high level way to where it's like maybe that's rare in some players who've never really had to experience something that's forcing them to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think too, it depends on the culture of the team. So like in Seattle, we've been really lucky because a lot of, we have players like Sue Bird who kind of, they are in many ways, like the exemplary, you know, version of, of how, like how diligent about taking care of their bodies, you know, from everything from the nutrition side to, you know, the, the, the work she's doing on a day to day, like, because we already had players like that, it makes it mm-hmm. easier for the younger ones to come in and see like those veterans that are so diligent and really hardworking and, and have that different level of professionalism, you know, like, yes, you've made it into the pros, like it's a professional sport, but there's a difference between being an amateur as far as like your mindset and your, your consistency, really, like that's mm-hmm. a really huge to me from, especially from the weight room perspective, but even on court in a lot of ways, like it's the, the, that ability to be consistent with things, even when it's so much easier not to be, you know, or you don't have someone else driving you to be consistent, like you, that you're paying attention to the little things. So it's, it's that amateur versus a truly elite professional. Like you see that difference for certain. And, and it's cool because having those, those really high level professionals, in every sense of the word, like just the way they, they bring it, their attention and their, their, you know, their focus and everything Mm -hmm. to the, from day in to day out, like that's, that it varies as they mature, right? A lot of the time. And so having those kinds of influences really help like facilitate that if you're trying to build the culture and then what you bring as a coach too, right? Like, I mean, I'm, it's definitely been a learning process for me as well. Cause when I first was a coach, even with the storm, honestly, like, Oh my God, I feel sorry for the, them for that first couple like first season, especially, <laughs> you know, like there's a learning curve to being good at what you do and being really professional at what you do. And, and I think the key thing is that you're constantly questioning yourself, not in a negative way, but in a challenging way where you're like, okay, well, how could I do that better? What did I do? Well, but, what can I do better off of that? Or does this add up? Like, I know I'm doing this for this reason, but does it add up with what I'm seeing? Am I getting the results that I need? Like you're, you're, you're really taking kind of that more impartial mindset in a lot of regards to, to reflect, like reflect upon what you're trying to do and accomplish, you know? Right. No, no, absolutely. It's funny that you say that. I think a lot of us, uh, especially me can relate to that because there's times where you know you're making decisions and you're just like should I be doing this like is this the right thing uh, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just a process I think over time like it, experience is just going to be the best teacher so over time mm-hmm. like you're going to develop those those new philosophies those new ideas and mm-hmm. maybe you're going to change you're going to change what you did in the past uh going forward uh but at the same time I also uh have learned that you know we make the best decisions we can at, at the times that we make them so mm-hmm. even if it was like I look back I'm like oh that was stupid by the time, right. like, that's all I knew. So like, there's nothing right. I could do about it. So it's like, now I'm like, all right, well, if I do it again and I know better, then that's stupid. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, one of the best books that I read early days as a coach, it was uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. And mm-hmm. in it, they talk a lot about like that fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And if you have that perfectionist mindset, which is kind of like along the, fi- the fixed side, right? Where it's like, oh, if I'm going to meet this challenge, I have to be perfect at it every time 
you inhibit mm-hmm. yourself from growth because you only accept challenges that you know already you can that are within your scope of like I can ace that you know and growing up in a lot of ways that was like me like I was very much like I wanted to ace everything as perfectly as I could like whatever the exam was I needed to like I could recite to you in detail what section of the book it was from to challenge the question or the answer Mm -hmm. if the teacher was like if it was wrong you know and like that kind of thing but but the funny thing is as far as for then feeling confident to like really challenge yourself you hold yourself back in a lot of ways because you're not going to accept those challenges where you may fail and Mm -hmm. in the book they talk a lot about that and how it's like you know it's okay not to be there yet like if you can get in that mindset of well yeah I'm not perfect right now and nobody needs to be you know perfect but it's that it's that seeking of betterment like can I get better well you know if I put in the work I just keep consistently improving till I'm eventually where I want to be you know and I think switching like flipping that switch as far as just then instead of trying to be there to almost like impress people with how well you can do things it's about okay can I be a sponge and what can I learn and how can I get better you become a much better coach you know or athlete for that matter because like I'll do the same when I'm trying to learn a new skill like I go into it and I'm like okay I'm just like a piece of clay we're going to mold this. Like, I'm going to learn how to do all these different things. And if you can treat it like that, you can accomplish a lot, you know? Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, kind of on the topic of, like, you know, uh, just learning and then also being being detailed, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about some some stuff that you've noticed over your career and that, um, that, you, that you now uh, probably have different philosophies on or as far mm-hmm. as, like, like women in sports, uh, specifically, obviously basketball. Uh, what are some common, you know, dysfunctions that you that you normally see that uh, maybe like they that need correcting or some things mm-hmm. that you need to address? Uh, what are some things that you kind of like commonly see for the most part? Obviously, it's gonna be different um, individually, uh, mm-hmm. but that you in your experience that you've had to try to help fix. Well, I mean, there's it's not even necessarily that you're trying to fix stuff, but you're just trying to be aware of mm-hmm. some of the kind of like common potential injuries and stuff that you're, that you're trying to just reduce the probability that they're going to have that, or you're trying to do as much as you can to avoid, you know? So mm-hmm. I would say probably one of the big things that you'll see a lot is low back um, for mm-hmm. basketball players. Cause if you think about it, like just your athletic stance, right? You typically mm-hmm. see very much chest upright, but you're still like in that kind of hinged-ish position. So you almost end up having a lot of hyperextension in the low back, right? And right. The, you'll oftentimes find that in some of your more powerful springy players. They tend to have kind of that anterior pelvic tilt, very quad dominant. Like, <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, is that you've got to be really cautious, like, because you may have an athlete that's built like that, but you don't want to just go all of a sudden and like overhaul their mechanics because you can take away what has made them exceptional, right? So instead, what you're trying to do is like, okay, well, how can we balance it out in a way that it, it's going to reduce the chance of them having all the pain and injury, but still take, keep respect to what has been really part of what makes them a great athlete, you know? And so you're just kind of fine-tuning those things. The other thing, you know, obviously ACL tears are a big um, thing that you see, especially in women's sports, especially if you're taller, like with between the hip angle and the height that you add those two things down and then the nature of the sport itself, ACLs are a pretty big um, kind of issue that you want to be aware of. So a lot of it, you know, we're trying to work on hip and glute strength, uh, making sure that 
we really give this best advantage to that knee and the tracking and its ability to kind of like have good motor control around it. Like it, the, I guess the, the big thought process for me is, okay, well, we know that through the nature of the sport, they're going to be in all these different scenarios. They're, they're not going to be in perfect tracking all the time. So what you want is that they own their ranges of motion that they have with good strength and control. And it's not the first time they're seeing it when they're, you know, in the middle of the game, like you're doing Mm -hmm. controlled exposures to things in, in those environments that you can as best as you can. And then you're strengthening what, you know, what is going to help give it the best potential for success and injury prevention. Right. Um, And then obviously ankle injuries and stuff like that are super common with uh, basketball. So a lot of it is trying to like work on their, for one ankle range of motion again with control and with strength and and the ability to stabilize and different things along that line so it's it's really just trying to to anticipate the needs based on where your big stressors a lot of the time right and it's funny I love the fact that you brought up um even just like exposing you know even like the the knee joint to to ranges or you know uh different yeah different angles that it's going to experience in sport but in a controlled setting because uh, I think a lot of times even especially when um when I first got started we were which I understand completely like we there was that myth kind of like oh we don't want the knees over the toes things like that mm-hmm. blah 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 right, and then right. it's like I, I believe like you know I started paying attention to basketball I'm like well shit mm-hmm. like their knees are way over their toes like that internal rotation is crazy it's to the point yeah, where it's yeah. like like it's like okay well I feel like we're doing a disservice by not exposing the body to mm-hmm. these these forces in a control setting. And then once they hit chaos, which is the sport of actually like playing their sport, right. they're they're gonna be shit out of luck. So it's like exactly. you know, I'll do like little things like even like split squats with knees over toes where I purposely have them go over. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like we can progress it by like body weight first and then maybe a medicine ball, maybe some like dumbbells and mm-hmm. so on and so forth, but at least like something as simple as that that way when they do get in the game and they're gonna put their body in these these awkward positions right like mm-hmm. these less than ideal positions like they've already like you said like owned those positions so right no I love the fact that you that you even brought that up because I think you know a lot of times some of these I don't want to say myths but like I understand where it's coming from in terms of like right. not you don't want any barbells on their backs mm-hmm. like to start off they've never done right, it, but right. Right. yeah yeah I think I think it's important like you said to expose them to that at least once mm-hmm. you know going forward Exactly. And it's it. the other thing with that, too, is it's like it's not that you're neglecting teaching them the proper proper mechanics like we'll have we'll have very like specific lifts where they may see it where, okay, like you said, the knees over the toes, for instance, right, where we're trying to develop like for one ankle dorsiflexion and so or like maintaining a good spinal position while doing X, Y and Z. But at the same time, we'll also be doing other things where it's like, okay, like we like to do Romanian deadlifts where you do have to actually have those knees back because otherwise you're not getting into the hamstring. Right. And so, so it's like, it, it, it's every time it's like, what is the intention of what you're trying to get out of the exercise, you know, versus, okay, this is how the exercise is done. If that makes sense. No, no, no. It, it, it totally, it totally does. And it's, um, no, I just, I love the fact that you, that we're both like on the same page as that. Cause I feel like there are times where I'll like kind of feel like I'm explaining like my rationale to, mm-hmm. to, to other coaches and they'll be like, like, well, why are you doing that? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
well, hold on, like keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is why I believe that. And um, mm-hmm. no, I think it's it's great to get your perspective. Maybe not necessarily like because we agree, but be, like right. the way that you go about it. And it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. like maybe I can try that. Maybe it's something I can implement. Um, mm-hmm. But I absolutely agree with that. And especially like what's really uh, important in my philosophy is the feet. Like I think it's it's the foundation of all movement. Um, mm-hmm. I always tell people like you would never build a house on quicksand, right? Right. So, like, exactly. It needs to have that solid foundation. So even whenever we start a session, like they know, like we're gonna do you know, tissue prep, and yep, with that exactly. it's gonna be you know, right, exactly like banded, uh, dorsiflexing, uh, plantar mm-hmm. flexion, like things to kind of like build up some sort of resilience in that ankle joint. That way, you know, not necessarily because I want them to have super stiff uh, ankles, I just want them mm-hmm. to be able to to come back from an injury, like an ankle sprain and things like that. Exactly. Because you have the strength uh, already built in. Well, and the other thing is, like, when you take your body through, mo- like, when you take a joint through its fullest range of motion that you have, and you're doing it in a really, like, intentional manner, like, you're slowing it down and paying attention to, like, really, really hitting those furthest reaches of its range of motion, but it's, mm. like, slow and controlled, you're helping build the motor patterning, too. So then... When it has to do it in a random scenario in play, your brain already has kind of mapped that out. So it's not totally foreign and it's just going to like, you know, do something spontaneous <laughs> or unpredicted. Instead, it's like going to have a sense of how it needs to fire. Right. And especially right. down in the lower body, like like you were saying with ankle and foot. I mean, the foot itself, like the, the plantar fascia it has what something like 300,000 like nerve endings in the base of it. Like. You get right. so much sensory input from these things for a reason, like whether it's pretensing muscles or like telling you what kind of impact forces your body needs to, you know, anticipate. Like if we don't give it that kind of attention and, and feedback, like we're kind of leaving some of the gaps or, or we're leaving these little chinks in our armor that we need to be addressing. And, and sometimes it's like straight up doing our soft tissue, keeping the pl- base of your foot, like, you know, in good working order so that it can mm-hmm. it, it can act as the mechanism it's meant to act as you know and different things like that and I loved what you said too about like you start off your sessions by doing some of that soft tissue work because I mean I'm definitely not one of those people that's like oh we're gonna do soft tissue work for the sake of doing our soft tissue work because we should mm-hmm. it's because hey like your glutes not firing super great maybe let's see if we've got something inhibiting it on the front side we mm-hmm. test it they're super tender there because it's a nice trigger point because it is like overcompensating, right? Mm-hmm. We get it to chill out and then all of a sudden the glute fires better. But everything we do, we're always checking like, did it give it the result that we wanted? And if not, then we don't waste time on it. We like figure out what is the right fit for right now. And that's not to say that that action isn't right at some future point. It's just mm-hmm. saying right now, this is what the body in front of us needs and we pay attention to it. So it's very much that process of like, listening and observing again like whether it's the conversation with the athlete or you're literally just watching how their body responds and teaching them to have that conversation you know it's I feel like that's a really big part of it right no absolutely absolutely Uh, since we're kind of on the topic of like even Mm -hmm. like some of the stuff that you that you're implementing and stuff like that with your players um Mm -hmm. you know we we had a quick conversation about like some of the your your mentors and people that have influenced you mm-hmm. um obviously like Greg Cook and, and Dan John and I'm pretty sure that there's more that are that are probably oh, added yeah. to the list uh but for like, sure I talk- think yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah go ahead 
Oh, I was just going to say, I know that I think we were talking about this the other day. You were looking at my website and I'm like, oh, yeah, I yeah. need to update that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've had I've been really lucky. Like some of my best mentors, like actually my first mentor, like the one that was really, really profoundly impactful on me was uh, Mark Toomey. And he actually mm-hmm. was at the time the head, uh, the CEO was Strong First, which is the one of the big kettlebell um, kind of certifications for hard style kettlebells that you can do and so like it's like Pavel is kind of Pavel Satsuline is like kind of the godfather of that in a lot of ways so Mark Mm -hmm. had had been at the time working with Pavel a lot and so um that was kind of what put me on the path for the the kettlebell instruction and stuff was actually working with Mark but you know the thing with Mark one of some of the best lessons I got from one he knew the body so well, like he, he took the time to really understand the anatomy and, and why things acted the way they did. And, and then two, he was amazing with the people that he worked with, like whomever was in front of them, they were a person first. And, and it was really like that, you, that dialogue with them and, and, you know, he was so attentive to everything that they were doing. And really it was like this constant conversation between him and you know the person in front of him and then their body you know and what that what was happening constantly and I think that was what really um kind of impacted my mindset then as far as a trainer especially early on it kind of made me realize what I wanted to aspire towards and like he could watch someone do a complex movement and be able to tell you like oh I see x y and z going on and this is probably why and here's what we're going to do to figure out if that is in fact why and then you know mm-hmm. he, in a lot of ways taught me that kind of test retest mindset and method and um yeah and not only that just great human being that helps too so yeah so <laughs> that was he's 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 still one of the the people that like really has shaped me and I have so much respect for and stuff so um that was one of my first like in we worked together hands-on for like a month like where he very mm-hmm. much groomed me and just was incredibly welcoming, letting me shadow him and, and learn. Um, but yeah, so that was one of the really big ones for me. And then um, so, uh, especially now getting into the basketball side, Susan Borchardt, like she was basically my role a couple back and she is our sport performance consultant and actually a, is the um, strength and I want to say sport performance coach for the women's basketball for USA right now. And she's oh, wow. just been an incredible mentor um, from day one, like had really taken me under her wing in a lot of ways. And and she taught me how to look at basketball as the bigger perspective of like all the different considerations that you have to look at for a professional athlete. Because you're not just and I mean, to some extent, I feel like I already was aware of this with my normal clientele and athlete, but mm-hmm. um, just the number of stress inputs on a body and and whether that's from a physical standpoint or all the other surrounding components, like how to look at all the pictures that are in play and like how it's this crazy interweaving, like Pat, you know, like thing that you've got in front of you, it has so many facets and how you pay attention and how you weave them together in a lot of ways. I think that was uh, also a really big part of kind of the growing process for me was, seeing all those pieces and being able to figure out what to do with them, you know, and how they imp- impact one another. Right. And it, it, I love the fact that, that uh, you said like just her philosophy is like, you know, like the bigger perspective, like how everything works together and not necessarily mm-hmm. just saying, 
all right, hey, like this is this is what you do, like, and just kind of giving you like a like almost like a I don't want to say like a blank slate, but just kind of like, all right, here's like pretty much um, how we're gonna do things. It's like no, like here's why we do them, and here's how they all connect. Because mm-hmm. I mean, even like just like even like sports performance, like just saying like the kinetic chain, like in the body, like everything's connected. And oh yeah, with, totally. With everything in life, like everything, you know, re- you know, it's a chain reaction. So mm-hmm. just like understanding that, I think, in my opinion, it's going to give you, you know, a way better opportunity to just kind of like, not only just build a, a greater, a better program, but also like just have a better understanding of who the mm-hmm. athletes are you're working with and like some of the things they're going through and exactly. just a bigger picture overall. Because it all changes. It doesn't matter what the stress is in a lot of ways. It's still stress and it's still going to impact your body and mind and your performance. And not only that, too, honestly, like, as a coach, you have a responsibility to the person in front of you as a human being first and how they're functioning and their health and like well-being is period, you know, regardless of their performance on court, you like you need to be making sure that they're being taken care of in, in whatever way they need in a lot of ways, you know, at least that's kind of the perspective. Like you may not be able to impact all of those things, but you need to at least be aware of them and be like supportive and, and help them, you know find whatever resources that they need um but yeah yeah I definitely feel like that and honestly some of the like the best coaches that I've met are of that similar mindset like I don't know I I don't remember if I had mentioned to you um my buddy Luca Hosevar he's he's got this amazing facility down in Renton um called Bigger Ground and he's just incredible as far as that same concept of you know like and we've had a few conversations I think even in the past about this where it's like really as a sport performance coach in some ways now to really be effective to the max you're almost having to be like a case manager in some regards and that you're you need (laughs) to be knowledgeable of various different aspects whether it's the nutrition the stress management sleep like you need to be aware of those things and have Mm -hmm. some depth of knowledge right we're always going to have our areas where we go deep but like you need to have at least enough to be working with to say hey, like, I think maybe we should investigate this. And maybe that's not with me, but that's with someone that specializes in this, you know, like, if they have a nutritional thing, sure, I can get ABC done. And like, I have a a just, you know, like a a knowledge base there that I have built and earned. But when it gets to be something that's more complicated, then I I make sure that I have the resources to hand them off to that are going to be the specialists in that, you know, and I think that's where building your network, but also being able to own the basics of various all those components because they do interweave with one another like you need to have some basis there and then again you you own what you own and you go deep mm-hmm. on the stuff that you're most passionate about but yeah you can't neglect other things yeah and I love the fact that you, that you said like owning the the fundamentals and, and even the basics because I mean I can't tell you how many times I've had athletes like Hey, like, you know, what should I eat? You know, what should I do with this? And, mm-hmm. and like, you know, just simple questions like that. And it's just like, at first I was, you know, I defer like, oh, well, mm-hmm. that's not what I do, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. But then it gets to a point where, you know, like you said, like, you got to realize that, you know, you, you got to be a case manager. You got to wear a lot of hats. Maybe, right. maybe you don't have to necessarily be a master or an expert in these, mm-hmm. in some of these topics, but sometimes you don't even need to be like, if you right. get some of the athletes, like I've to- talked to them about sleeping, I'm like, hey, like you know, focus on, you know, when you're sleeping, if you wake up, like, don't check your phone in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. like, because the blue light's going to wake you up, uh, and stuff yep. throughout your melatonin, blah, 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 like, just mm-hmm. simple things like that, and you, you'd be surprised at how many athletes are, like, 
man, like I, I actually slept good today. And it's like right. something simple. Like I'm not a sleep expert, but exactly. I, I understood that. And I was able to kind of give them that information. Um, and, and that's even something exactly simple right. Like, yeah. Even something simple as like, Hey, like when you go to sleep, like try to make sure you get, like you said, eight hours of like uninterrupted sleep or even mm-hmm. use a sleep cycle app to kind of track that. Mm-hmm. And then that way, like you're getting that feedback loop. Like I didn't sleep well. Why not? Oh, you didn't, right. you didn't stay asleep all night. And then you mm-hmm. can make adjustments. And it's just like, like you said, just understanding the fundamentals can go a long way. You don't have to be an expert. And yep. then when it does get complicated, all right, cool. Like I know this person, this person, this person, they can help right. you out. And the other thing is it doesn't mean that you're acting as a lone wolf because say you're in a team environment and you do have X, Y, and Z. Like like for us, right. we've got our medical staff. We're really fortunate to be partnered with Swedish and like they've got some excellent me- like medical practitioners that we work with. But then we also have like, a team massage therapist, acupuncturist, like various different roles that are very specialized, right? And obviously, I'm not going to be doing all of those things. But mm-hmm. if I understand the premise of how they work, and I have conversations with them to understand it better, I can do a better job of communicating with them and anticipating how they can help my players, right? So I can right. help direct them in the in, like, hey, like, this is being really stubborn when we're working on our soft tissue, maybe that's something that I need to go and have them address here because they'll be able to get to that much more efficiently than I can with them, you know? And so it's, right. it's the ability to have that communication and handoff and understanding with other professionals that you're working with too, that's really important. And it's like that way you're not just going in there blindly and not having a conversation and just it being, you know, you're handing off a baton instead. It's like, all right, yeah, we're in this process together. It's cohesive and it's, it's, very much like a participatory thing, you know, where everybody's involved in to the extent that they should be, you know, where it's helpful right. and not too many chefs in the kitchen kind of thing. So, right. yeah. And, and even that by itself, like you're just, you're just adding more, more value, you know, in your own space. Like you're not only like, are you just going to be that the weight room, you know, mm-hmm. person, you're not just gonna be the weight room coach. Like, and I, I that was always one thing. I, I, I don't know why it always bugged me, but like, mm-hmm. I never really liked being called the weights coach. Because yeah, I'm like, well, here. I have other value besides that. Like, I can actually, like, I go in and I can actually talk through, like, a play. Maybe not on the level of the coach, but I can even mm-hmm. say, hey, like, when you're coming off the screen, make sure you're rubbing the shoulder. Like, something mm-hmm. as simple as that. Like, the players, they, they hear that and they're like, holy shit. Like, you know what he's talking about? Like, okay. Like, even mm-hmm. though it's something very basic, it's like right. I can pick up on these little cues. And now that makes me more valuable in the court. Yep. Um, and so now the coach can come up to me and talk to me like, hey, what would you see? And, you know, I can answer him. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is, is too, like, like I was telling you, I mean, I played basketball up till ninth grade. And frankly, we didn't even like the stuff like the coaching that I had as a kid was not not to this extent where, you know, you actually learned the game of basketball, right? Like we Mm -hmm. maybe got some basic fundamentals and you hoped it was right. But more it was like, they were like, okay, put the ball in the basket, make your layups, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing, right? Don't screw up. (laughs) Like, the the really 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 remedial fundamentals that's the kind of exposure I had initially aside from what I got from my dad right but um Mm -hmm. but the point is is like I'm not a basketball player I'm like five foot three on a good day so I do Mm -hmm. not look necessarily like a basketball player the thing is is that that doesn't mean I don't need to understand at least or at least make an effort to understand what their bodies are going through right and so for me what that may look like is like I'll get on court after all the basketball players are gone for the day and I will try to learn some of the stuff they're doing skill wise like even if it's just simple things like their shots or like 
how mm-hmm. they they have to move because then if I can kind of have some sort of idea and understanding of that for one it makes it so I can ex- like explain why we're doing x y and z with the players here and how it's going to help them improve it and then two like it also makes it so I can feel what kind of stresses their bodies are under so I can understand as a coach, you know, and that makes me better. And I feel like that is on the, the, the weight room coach in a lot of ways to take the time to, to, to be in your athlete's shoes so that you can have a better understanding and better communication, even if you're not from that same background, you know, like, and part of it is just showing respect for what they do. Like you've got to put in the time on your end to learn to communicate with them in their language too. And so like, right. you know, like maybe we're doing um, plyometric drills or something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll be doing lateral bounds and like, I'm trying to get them to express movement in a horizontal plane, not so much vertical. And, and like the reason being is if I have them getting a lot of height on that in the court, what does that do for their efficiency? Right? Like you, right. So you drop off like, okay, yeah, you can bound high laterally, but I need you to be able to express that in a efficient manner. That's going to help you like get away from your defender or something like that. That's mm, why we're moving. X, y, Z. Yeah. And, and if I can, exp- if I can relate it to them in that way and their language and like, it makes sense even at a very basic level of basketball, then that helps. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. And, I, and I feel like sometimes as a weight room coach, we can forget that too. And so it's, it's, I like that you say that, like we, we should be like, at least making an effort to be aware of what our, our surroundings are. If, if we're that lucky, like for me, I, I just have basketball, right? So it's very different. Mm. Like college coaches, uh, I don't know how they do it sometimes because it's like <laughs> with all those different teams and all the different athletes, like how do you tra- keep track of all the needs and stuff? So it's like you do the best you can with what you've got in front of you, but you should always be trying to do the best you can. All right. Absolutely. No, I, I love that. I love that. All right, Emily. So, uh, one more question. You brought yep. a thousand like hours, hours literally of uh, <laughs> value already. So like I appreciate you like for everything you've already said before. Um, well, after, thank you after too. This, yeah, after this after this question, like I'm just gonna uh, kind of go through like your social media and like other ways they can reach oh, you gotcha. and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but one thing I want to ask, which I ask every one of my guests, is if you could give yourself advice three years ago, what would it be, and uh, would it change anything? Uh, I think it would probably be mm, have a little more confidence in your instincts and and own your own strengths and not try to be someone else's strengths, you know, as a coach. Like, and you and I kind of touched on this too early. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember if it was on, on the co- podcast or in our conversation, but like, especially as a young coach, like, we all have different temperaments and weight styles of coaching. Right. And, and a lot of the time, like myself, I'm not a big rah, rah, re, like mm-hmm. I'm not a big powerful presence. Right. Like, and I'm not a, a big, very, like we're doing X, Y, and Z. Like I'm much more kind of like, I guess what you would see maybe in even like a martial arts instructor in some ways, like I'm a little bit quieter, but like, I try to bring my energy in when I'm working with my players, like we get energized. We're like, you know, excited about the stuff when we we're making good progress and things like that like we get into it but it's not Mm -hmm. like I'm like trying to pump up the atmosphere in in a bigger way like that like or you know like in in some coaches that's their style and they're really exceptional at that 
And I think for me, when I was starting out as a coach, like I didn't know what my coach, like I didn't know how to blend my style as a coach with what I had observed before and like what I thought I was supposed to be. And so it took a little bit of time figuring out how to own it myself. And when I did, it would made a huge difference. And I think that's part of the process is just like learning to own it. But I think giving yourself the leeway to like figure that out for yourself is important. It's kind of just one of those patient process things. But at the same time, if you can, can accept that that is part of the process, I think it helps a lot. And I think that yeah. may have helped actually get to the results I wanted faster, to be honest. And, and I'll tell you, like, once I figured that out, not only just like the dynamic with the players changed, but like my, like just the, the, the faith in what we were doing changed. And so I think that is a really big thing. You're right. Absolutely. No, I, I love that answer. I think that's going to help a lot of people just understanding, like you said, like finding, uh, finding their voice. That's what uh, my mentor, one of my mentors actually taught me. It was like, you got to find your voice. And mm-hmm. once I found it, it was like, everything changed. Just like, okay. Like you said, like, you understood, like, you're not the big rah-rah person, and neither am I. Like, I'm not the person mm-hmm. that's going to come in and, like, fake it. Like, it's one thing if I'm genuinely excited and I come in, yeah. I'm like, let's go. But if, yeah. it's like, I, if I got to manufacture it, I'm like, nah, I don't Exactly. Do <laughs> you've got to be authentic. Like, you've got to be authentic to you. And there's always more ways than one to accomplish a task, right? And so it's it's exactly. figuring out what is your way. And that's not to say you you don't you discount other ways. And like that doesn't mean that there's not things that you can learn from them. In fact, I'm a like very big believer that you're gonna learn stuff from like even the most like what seem like completely unrelated things can really change how you how effective you are in the the particular field you're in. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it'll be funny because like sometimes like. I love music and I love art, right? Like, so mm-hmm. some, one of the things that for me, like art for con, like, for instance, like you wouldn't think necessarily that has any relation to basketball, but if you think about spacing on a court and like, you're, you're thinking about like defensively and how you're spreading, spreading the court, right? That's essentially mm-hmm. the same as art looking at volume and space, like negatives and positives. And it, it's cool because in some ways it gives you more tools to be able to articulate an idea or a concept or like, say I'm working on sometimes we'll do speed ladder work which we don't necessarily use it for speed obviously but like Mm. we may be using it for a specific like we're working on our ability to decelerate or accelerate or just like certain things but part of it might be like hey like pause now like if a player's struggling to get the the rhythm of it it might be like hey think about it like music like what is the sound that it's making it's like da 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 like you you have other tools to relate it to that might be a little bit better at getting your message across like it's all about communication right and so the more exposure you have the more resources you have to figure out how you can communicate well to the person in front of you right no that was yeah that that's that's amazing i like the way that you like everything like you said everything teaches you if you pay attention right yeah like if you're uh, open to it yeah, exactly. I forgot the quote. Oh, I think it's, it's uh, the quote is like, uh, you learn something new every day if you pay attention. I think that's it, the quote. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't like quote me on that, but I think that's the <laughs> quote. But if it is, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Emily, um, I just want to give uh, people the opportunity to be able to find you and reach out to you. Um, so where can people find you on social media? Um, maybe like Instagram or email if you want to give that out. Yeah, uh, how yeah. How can people reach out to you? Um, well, uh, 
I will admit I am pretty bad about social media in general. I'm going to be trying to change that. I do have a, <laughs> an, an Instagram account right now uh, at Emblem Fitness. Oh, no, sorry, Emblem Performance, uh, which is kind of was one of my early days companies that I started up doing my private practice stuff. But um, mm-hmm. you can find me there. And then also I have a website, which is also out of date. <laughs> it does have my email and a way to contact me on there. So um, it and that's uh, emblemfitness.com. And so okay. either of those places. And then, yeah, um, I have, yeah, I would say those are probably the two easiest by far. Um, and yeah, as far as the, the Instagram, I'll be I'll be overhauling that in the next couple of months here as far as trying to make it actually have some content out there on a fairly regular basis and, and just kind of continuing to share the knowledge. Cause that's been one of the things for myself too, like getting to the point where I feel confident sharing stuff and not feeling like, Oh, what do I have to contribute? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to get past that hurdle. That's going to be one of the things that's on my plate for growing and learning. So um, hopefully I will actually accomplish that sometime in the next couple months. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the plan. I got you. I got you. Well, I'll make sure I put everything in the show notes that way. Perfect. People, uh, oh, and LinkedIn. Like... Actually, I'm pretty decent about checking my LinkedIn occasionally. So um, that's the other one. So just at Emily Blurton at LinkedIn. So got you. Definitely throw it in there. I, I think uh, I can't remember. I hit you up on IG. I might have hit you up like on everything. Yeah, I think, I think you hit me. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I was like, I'm not getting any responses, so I'm just going to hit everything and see what happens. But, uh... Yep. <laughs> That's definitely the smart way. Whatever. Yeah. Hit me on all fronts if you're trying to get a hold of me. And I, I'm I'm pretty – I'm trying to be better about it. So, yeah, absolutely. Cool, cool. Well, I'll make sure I put all those in the show notes. Emily, you get some rest. Thank you so much for, do. Thank for, you. For, for thugging it out and going for the 60-plus minutes of, of information <laughs> and fire you gave me. But – um. I just want to thank you again for coming on the podcast and, um, you know, hopefully we can get you back on here in the future. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I mean, this is my first time doing a podcast, so I really appreciate you thinking I had something to contribute. So yeah. Oh yeah. You, you, you had a lot and you got a lot more so that I'm already thinking like, all right, we got to get a part two on here, but, uh, <laughs> <All right>. but <laughs> for sure. But thank you so much. And I'll talk to yeah, you later. Thank you, Xavier. Have a great one. You too. Thank you for listening to the Basketball and Barbells podcast. I really hope you all got major value from today's episode. Please leave a rating and review of the show and don't forget to tune into the next episode.